Today on The Faction, it's WrestleMania week, guys, and we have an amazing show lined up for you. We're talking Hall of Fame. We're talking a whole bunch of stuff. Plus, WrestleMania 4 versus Clash the Champions 1. All of that and more today on The Faction.
Faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. What's up, family? It's your man, GB. It's WrestleMania week, folks. We've been waiting for this one for a long, long time. It only comes once a year, and it's the opportunity where, quite frankly, we're going to do a whole lot this week. So I hope you're planning to stay connected to us. But, yo, I'm not by myself. The gang is all here. Courtney Beard's here. What's up, brother? Salute, my people. We are all the way up. And unlike the Duke basketball team, we ain't going to let you down. We're here. (laughs) We are here. We did not get bounced out of the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, or any other group. We're Final Four. We're the national champions. And that's because we've got Memphis' own Brandon Jerome Clack. The Clack Attack is back. What's up, Clack? What's going on, everybody? I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited, GB, that I have another victory under my belt. My Wi-Fi for the 52nd week in a row is better than Courtney's. <laughs> wait, wait, my Wi-Fi messed up already? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it did? Yep. It, it did a little bit during the intro, but you're okay. Like, you're you, you you're okay. We we can recognize everything you said. It's it's good. Man, that sucks. Yeah. It, it's not like the uh, Boost commercial where you would have, rest. Uh, what is it? Rest, uh, what is it? Resting glitch face? Yeah. Yeah. You know oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have Boost Mobile or Frog Wireless. <laughs> frog Wireless, not Cricket Frog. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, but well, how have you guys been? Let- it's felt like forever since we've all been together to do a show. Speaking of Duke and Duncan and Zion Williamson, did you see that clip of Clack dunking at the Rutgers in New York? I did. And he did it like it was no problem. Edit it, fam. I don't think that dunk ever happened. What? Clack, you really did that. I don't think that dunk happened. What? Clack, you really did that. Did you really dunk? Not only did I dunk, I did it in jeans, a hoodie, and a hat. And I had just walked on the court. Wow. Give me a break. So you hadn't warmed up? I did that. No. Clack, you and Zion Williamson game to five. How many points you scoring? Two. He beats me by two. You're going to score two points? Yeah. Against today? Like, I got to play him today. Today? Yeah, he beats me by two. You against me and GB game to five. How many points do you lose by? I beat you guys five to one. Oh, I totally agree, and that, and that's look, and that's you guys five to one, and and that's if I can be clear enough to make a shot. Like uh, if you, what about me? I, I got a hook shot out of this world. Oh, you, now now listen, you'd probably box him out really well, and um, I would. No, he'll be GB. He breathes hard from talking. <laughs> <laughs> now see, y'all gotta be careful though, because I've been doing DDP yoga, man. So I'm. You have. Wait a minute. That's what we need to talk about. Yeah. Because, like, you, see, he has a son coming, and next thing you know, this man is getting in shape for it. Hey, hey. These things are important. You know, I had a, a, an interesting uh, epiphany. It's like, you know, when you get a little older, you start realizing, like, hey, I want to be able like, see, with my daughter, like, I wasn't thinking I want to do gymnastics with my daughter. I wasn't thinking that type of stuff. But my son, I'm like, I got to be able to play catch with him. We got to be able to do stuff together. So, I mean, not like I'm horribly out of shape, but I definitely want to be in the best shape I can possibly be in uh, for him. So, yeah. 
Well, Lord Jesus Christ, if Quinella get pregnant, I'm screwed. Nah, listen. Oh, I'm going to take my son on a Golden Corral tour. No, don't do that to him. Oh, so wait, God. let me tell Why? you guys. I know this has nothing to do with the show, but I have to tell you guys. I attended a breastfeeding class this past week. And out of all the things you said, I didn't see that coming. No, no, but no, but 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 seriously though, like it it was so eye opening for me just to learn. Wait a minute, why did you segue from my weight to breastfeeding? No, I, because we're talking about babies, and for okay. me, I, I, it's a perfect segue because Courtney is an A cup. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, clap. Well, an A cup isn't so bad. It's if he's a C that we're concerned about. No, he's about. probably more of a B. Oh, wow. He's, he's the lower level B. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Tender bosoms. Tender bosoms. I do not, as a matter of fact, I'd let you know that I've been doing a keto diet. How's Nobody it going? How's that. it going? He's lying. Oh. What? what? He, he's got the keto. Hey, Frank, he's got the keto of the Jeep. Yes. <laughs> there, there isn't a slab of ribs that Cordy would ever key or toe. Ain't no way. Oh my! GB, was it weird being at a breastfeeding class? Actually, it wasn't because for one, it was taught by a guy and a girl, and the guy was talking from the perspective of fathers and how fathers are to be there to provide support for uh, the mothers, and it was really, it was really profound. You know, breastfeeding. Uh, actually uh, helps children um, to be healthier. You know, they get sick less, they become smarter. Um, and then learning some of the real cultural differences in terms, it was just, it was great. I learned a lot. I really, really did. So here's my question. Have y'all ever drank breast milk before? Well, I, yes. I did when I was a baby. Clap. I wanted to be smarter. I wanted to be as smart as Noah. <laughs> you want to be as smart as Noah? Noah. <laughs> Noah breastfed until he was 10 months. Wow. <laughs> well, that that's not bad. Uh, the woman who was Man, teaching the class. Jimmy, is... I have a question about the breastfeeding conference. Yes. The conference. conference. Was there any, were there any uh, live examples? Was well, there any participants? Strangely <laughs> enough, strangely enough, there were mothers of newborn babies with them. They were in the back of the class and they did breastfeed. I didn't look. So, but GB, they, they literally whipped out their teeth. They no, they they did. They had covers, you know, but they did. But one of the things that we hey. talked about, though, this is real talk. One of the things that we talked about was just how different countries have different cultures surrounding breastfeeding. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So I'm in Uganda preaching one day, right? Yeah. I'm in Uganda preaching. Lady respond. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's in Uganda preaching and he leaves. Amazing. Holy cow. I'm, you know what? I'm waiting for the point where he figures out he's gone. That's going right to be. Right now, he is talking so much. There's so much spit on his microphone right now. And he's going to be like, guys, guys, guys. Oh, man. Oh, man did that my internet so cut funny. out again? But I have a really funny story. So yes. he, he was talking about different cultures, and um, ironically, we had a woman in from Nigeria. We had someone from Al Albania in the class, and they both talked about the differing cultures uh, with breastfeeding in their countries um, and how, you know, there's no shaming. Well, for the folks that were in I Algeria, 
they were uh, Muslims. Their religion is Muslim, so they you know, they're not allowed as women to be exposed, you know, in society. But they did provide places for them to be able to breastfeed. But where I really experienced this when I was in Jamaica this past summer, uh, we went for a wedding, and this I, I promise to God. So there's a woman sitting next to me who had introduced herself to me and my wife and my daughter, and and uh, she had a little boy. And, you know, we were really friendly with the little boy, and then they made us move up, um, you know, right next to them uh, because they were trying to, you know, consolidate space. And so my daughter goes, Dad, what's going on here? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, look. And the same woman who had just introduced herself to me just 15 minutes earlier whipped out her uh, feeding tool and began feeding this young man at this wedding. I mean, and I just went, what? Man. And then she did it at the reception. And I was directly across from her. I was like, Jesus? I was going to say this before God blocked it. It has happened to me thrice. Once in Uganda, twice in San Antonio. Preaching front row. Wow. Wow. How'd you respond to that? I just kept plowing through. You, you I really to, did. You had to. It, it, in Uganda, it caught me off guard. When the person did it in San Antonio, I just said, I'm not giving it any attention. Yeah. Yeah. I was Because, be, because my inner comedian kicks in. Mm. And you guys know that becomes brutal. Yes. And that's not good. That's not good. Black has never happened to you? Two words. Feeding tool. Feeding tool. <laughs> that was awesome. That's why he's the valedictorian. What? That's why he's the valedictorian. Now I no. I I've just watched Christabel whip her boobs out and feed our kids in public. I mean, only thing I could ask is, is there any milk for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I was like, seconds. is this a buffet or Listen. do I have to put my order? In? Okay. How do I get to these? Last story I'm gonna tell. It's Christmas Day. All the stores are closed. Family event, my brother and his then wife, come, I can't believe I'm telling the story, come over. My brother's responsible for the mac and cheese. We're eating it. We all have seconds. Kev, you've done your thing with this mac and cheese. It's absolutely incredible. We started hounding them. How did you make the mac and cheese? Him and his wife looking at each other. How did you make it? What did you do? Oh, no. That man looks at us and says, we ran out of milk. I had to use breast milk. No. Man, I almost threw up. But by that time, it, it was tasty. Well, it, the the nutrients that come from it are exactly what uh, the body needs. So, I, I I need something to rub on my hairline. <laughs> now listen, if breast milk brings back hair, clack <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> like sign me up on Amazon Prime. <laughs> listen, <laughs> well. Uh, I'm sure those tuning into the faction today did not intend on getting a lesson on breastfeeding. I'll take the full blame for that. But, uh, yeah, needless to say, it was a great class. But enough about me and the escapades as we prepare for uh, my son. Because, listen, it is WrestleMania week. And, boy, do we have a lot to talk about leading into WrestleMania. Of course, WrestleMania this Sunday. This weekend, I'm officially dubbing it the biggest weekend in the history of pro wrestling. Because there's never been a weekend where more wrestling has occurred in a concentrated space than there will be this weekend. We know about what WWE's doing. 
We know about what NXT is doing. We've got the big Ring of Honor, G1 Supercard, Impact Wrestling, Evolve. Listen, a lot of folks are coming in, so it's going to be great. So we've got a few things we need to talk about before we get into our big, big topic of the day. Let's start with this. Breaking news, the WWE has announced its final entrant for the 2019 Hall of Fame. We know about DX. We know about Harlem Heat. We know about the Honky Tonk Man. We know about um, uh, the Heart Foundation. And the last entrant, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Now, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a big staple in the 1980s presentation of the WWE, first came uh, into play as Brutus Beefcake as the tag team partner of Greg the Hammer Valentine. They were the dream team, won the tag team championships, defeating the British Bulldogs, had a fairly lengthy run. He would then have a face turn, become Brutus the Barber Beefcake right around WrestleMania 3. And then he'd go on to host the Barber Shop. Became a very popular single star. In fact, looked to have a run at the Intercontinental Championship, but had a parasailing accident that damaged his face and uh, cost him that opportunity. That opportunity would then go to the Ultimate Warrior at the first SummerSlam. And of course, it catapulted the Warrior to uh, overwhelming superstardom. He would then go over to WCW following Hulk Hogan, who is his cousin. And uh, we know him for stints as part of the Dungeon of Doom and, of course, as part of the NWO. Brutus the Barber Beefcake headed to the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, some of you guys on our Instagram page weren't exactly pleased. Others of you, you know, thought it was a great move. Guys, what do you think about Brutus the Barber Beefcake entering the 2019 Hall of Fame? Clack. Uh, I think it's an amazing decision. I mean, I love Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Now, I'll be honest, GB, you just shared stuff with me that I had no clue about. I didn't know he was Hogan's cousin. I didn't know that when he put that mask on that his face really didn't get shattered when he got hit in the face. I mean, I, to this day, I still believe that. It shows how much I know. But I love Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I didn't know that he was going to be the push for the world championship and it wasn't supposed to be Ultimate Warrior, all of this backstory that you just gave me makes me love it even more. So I'll let Courtney disagree. Well, it's not literally that I'm going to disagree. It's that I'm trying to remember and recall what Brutus the Barber Beefcake did. Now, I will admit that I am not the, the 1980s WWE aficionado as you guys are, especially you, GB, who lived in the New York area and Clack, who uh, praised everything the McMahons did. But I will tell you this, that Brutus the Barber Beefcake better think his lucky starts for one Linda McMahon who was the one who gave him the moniker Brutus the Barber Beefcake and he got that also because he was in love with his hair they said that he had this infatuation with great hair and they said he hated the moniker but what really got him over NWA legend Greg Valentine mm -hmm. when they formed their little team and they really started taking to teams like the uh, Heart Foundation. So I guess I can't say whether he deserves it or not. He is definitely one of those wrestlers where what would have happened if? Very interesting stuff. Again, some folks are liking it. Some folks aren't. Um, personally, I mean, I did enjoy Beefcake during the 80s. I don't know. 
I felt like certainly his 80s run was far more significant than his 90s run. I'd like to forget about his time with the Dungeon of Doom. I'd like to forget about his time as part of the NWO because he was never really that big of a deal in the NWO. Uh, I'd like to forget about the 90s version of Brutus Beefcake altogether. Um, Was his stint in the 80s strong enough to put him in the Hall of Fame? Maybe. I mean, if Hillbilly Jim and um, Coco Beware are the measuring sticks, then perhaps. But certainly uh, I could think of several others who perhaps should have gotten this last slot, particularly a former WCW champion by the name of Vader. Um, who passed away last year, who certainly should have had an opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame. Why he's not there, I'm not sure. But hey, it's the class that we have. It should make for an interesting class. And uh, I'm sure several will be watching this Saturday night, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network to check out the WWE Hall of Fame inductions. Now, you mentioned, Courtney, a certain Linda McMahon, which we know she had quite a bit to do with uh, the WWE for a long period of time, but then she stepped away to pursue political ambitions and aspirations. Uh, One Josh Spiel wanted us to talk about Linda McMahon, and uh, because the news came out that Linda McMahon has left the Trump cabinet, uh, she was being discussed as a possible Commerce Secretary. So uh, Josh wanted to see if we thought that she might end up back in the WWE well I've got the answer for you Josh the answer is no and that's because she left the cabinet (laughs) to chair Donald Trump's 2020 super PAC so no she's not coming back to the WWE anytime soon but I do want to ask this question we know that WWE has particularly been eerily silent during the Trump era Uh, because of, obviously, Linda's connections to Donald Trump. Um, Do you think Trump should still be in the Hall of Fame? And would we welcome Linda McMahon back to the WWE if she made the decision to come back? Well, Donald Trump didn't deserve to be there in the first place. When they started this lame celebrity wing, uh, it's probably a handful of celebrities that actually deserve to be in there. Pete Rose, maybe. That's it. You think Pete Rose more than Mr. T? Come on, man. Mr. T competed in the first two WrestleManias. I'll take Mr. T, but at least Pete Rose showed up for multiple occasions. I mean, he was Kane's do boy for a long time. He was. And so, you know what I'm saying? And so, if Trump is going to be there, he deserves to be there. I mean, I want to hear the story of. What is the the relationship between the Trumps and the McMahons as far as Madison Square Garden? There has to be some relationship there. Did the Trumps help them to secure things? I don't know. I know that when you go into somebody else's territory, that they kind of help you. Maybe there's some underhanded things that happen there to help the McMahons in New York. I don't know. But... I have not seen anything that says Trump deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's there, and so is Snoop Dogg. Well, let me correct a couple of those things. First of all, WWE was in MSG long before Donald Trump began his real estate escapade. So let's start there. Uh, 
Trump family. I said Trump family. Trump. Now you, no. GB. Let me let me help you, GB. Being a valedictorian, are we going to do this? I, I am going to because you need to listen to my words. Lord. I said Trump family. Well, let me just say that the Trump family had no interest in Vince McMahon, WWE, or anything related until we got to WrestleMania's four and five, where Vince you and don't Donald. Know that. I do know that. You don't I know do that. I do know that. We're, Why don't we're, you go we're, back? We're, we're and talking about. We're talking about the, the wealthy people that hang out and go to the yacht well, club let's together. Let's be clear. They go let's to be, the spa wait, together. Let's be very clear. Vince McMahon Sr. never, and The Rock means never, rolled in the money that Vince McMahon Jr. rolled in. Let's be very, very clear. No, because, but he wasn't a broke oh, man. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's be clear. He Vince wasn't a broke Ma man. Vince McMahon Jr. was brought up in a trailer park in North Carolina. Vince McMahon Sr., who did a good job of promoting the WWE, but only took the WWE from New York to Washington, D.C., that was it. Nobody in wrestling at that Key stage word, was New York. Okay, let me help you with something. New York, he was not rolling in that kind of money to be rolling with those kinds of guys. And again, Trump the father was nothing like Trump the son. So let's, let's, how about you do this? How about you, while I kick it over to Clack and get his thoughts, why don't you start planning the birthday celebration for Starcade? Let's get you doing that, and then well, we'll come back to Clack. What are your thoughts the, on the thing, Linda? The, the thing that mesmerizes me about even your argument, G, is that you think it all boils down to money, and I'm talking influence. Is that the Trump family was influential, and the McMahons, anytime you have something that has television access, you have now become influential. Do you know how many preachers there are that are broke but have influence because they're on TV? Oh, you Lord. get access to people. And if you Clack really... over to you. Oh, my God. <sighs> Clack? Uh, all I want to say is bring Linda back. Take Donald. Bring Linda back. <laughs> Take Donald. Okay, Why Donald can to say go. Donald like that? But here's the... Well, would you know, we even... Shout out to Kevin Johnson to match his song. Would we even <laughs> trust a Linda McMahon right now, though? Absolutely. She's a I mean, she man. plays her part. She plays her part. I, I'm okay. Listen. I'm okay without Linda right Guys, now. To, on today and today only, when you say Linda McMahon, it means something totally different. And I, I guess we better be careful because we have friends in Connecticut. But I, all I can think about is Michael P.S. Hayes in the plane ride from hell. In that moment, so I, I'm not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on. I, let's let's move on from that. So <laughs> here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we've got quite a few things to talk about. Uh, there is a rather scathing report out there uh, coming from an HBO show talking about uh, the WWE's treatment of pro wrestlers a week before WrestleMania. We're going to talk about that, and then I can't wait to get into this. WrestleMania 4 versus Clash of the Champions 1. We're having that conversation coming up next. You've got it locked to the faction powered by Bonnerfied Radio. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark here, the world's strongest man, and you're tuned in to the faction. Bro. 
the faction. One, two, three! Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the Faction Powered by Bonafide Radio. GB, give us some good wrestling news. All right, so HBO and WWE have had a very interesting relationship over the years. Uh, if you hearken back, there was an interview that Bob Costas did with Vince McMahon that aired on HBO where McMahon uh, got a little physical with Bob Costas. Uh, there was another interview on HBO where something similar happened. HBO recently, just last year, around Wrestle, right after WrestleMania, released a documentary on Andre the Giant uh, on HBO. Well, HBO is back at it again, this time with their host, John Oliver. Uh, he's got a great show called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. It's won a few awards. Well, uh, recently he went on to discuss the issue of how the WWE does or doesn't take care of its superstars. Well, we know this to be recent because he references WrestleMania as next week, which we know it is indeed next week. These clips are floating all around. There's about a 22-minute clip that we've posted on our Facebook page. Uh, he's mentioned a lot of things from the WWE being contracted superstars to uh, them really not having health insurance um, and being exclusive to WWE yet being contracted. Lots of commentary, etc., etc. My question is, did you guys watch it? And if so, what are your thoughts about this commentary, particularly as we are just six days away from WrestleMania? Well, uh, I'll, I'll kick this conversation off. Um, we we kind of saw the 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 hint of this when AEW launched and they started talking about offering some health care mm-hmm. for their wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you remember back in the eighties, I think uh, Ventura, Jesse Ventura, Jesse the Body, said that he tried to unionize the guys. Uh, yes. Uh, to his uh, quoting him, he said Vince McMahon said he'd rather shut the whole thing down than become unionized. Uh. The guys have been given contracts, according to what I understand, where they are seen as independent workers, contractors that can only exclusively work for the WWE brand. Of course, you have Raw, SmackDown, NXT, whatever. Uh, I did, of course, I hate the week that it, that has come out, but he has a real thing here. He talks about guys that die really young. Eddie Guerrero, Randy Macho Man Savage, China. Bundy was really 61 years old when he died. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about a business that last year raked in $930 million, but has no pension plan to take care of guys who sacrificed their life for wrestling. Now, they do have the thing where they'll put you in rehab, but there's not a, a true retirement plan. John Oliver also leaned on and said the NFL, who's been more, who's been more scrutinized than them, they have a plan on how they take care of and fund and have a retirement pension for uh, the the NFL players. Now, uh, the, 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 the much famous Rowdy Rowdy Piper said that there was a pension fund that he would get when he's 65, but his fear was he'd never live to see it, and he, he didn't. He died at 61 years old. The NCAA basketball is forced to go through a metamorphosis right now because the times have changed. They're asking, should players be paid? Wrestling has to go through the same overhaul. 
Clack, what do you think? Uh, I've got some personal feelings towards this, and I, I won't disclose all of them. But I, I know what it is to be climbing a potential foreseeable ladder of success. And then people try to wait until the right time to try to knock the momentum out of you. Uh, I personally think it's cowardice. Uh, I think that if you had a problem with this, why not bring it out? Why wait until their biggest weekend uh, with people that have families and, and, you know, just the whole company in general? Why wait until now to try to start trouble like that? To me, it just doesn't make any sense. I think it's petty. I think it's childish. And I think it's somebody that's leeching off of the success of someone else by majoring in criticism. So although the points may be valid, I think that truth has timing. You don't believe me? Then ask God, how come you didn't see Jesus when Moses was born, right? So truth has timing. You don't have to try to hurt somebody to bring the truth out. You know, I'll say this. Uh, it's funny because certainly there are facts in there that he mentioned. I agree that uh, the timing of this seems suspect. But I think it's also unfair to mention all of those names as though it is wrestling that killed them. Let's start with Eddie Guerrero, who passed away under age 40. Eddie Guerrero also had a major drug issue, um, a drug issue that got him fired from WWE, got him put in rehab. He had to really fix some things. And as he was on the upward swing, his heart had enlarged because of the type of damage over the years that drug abuse did. Is it the WWE or pro wrestling's fault? I can't necessarily say that. Randy Savage, who died at age 59, died of a heart attack while behind the wheel. I can't blame pro wrestling for that. He had a very successful career that went close to 30 years. He wasn't wrestling when that happened. And if you say that a heart attack was a result of pro wrestling, well, my God, how many other people have had heart attacks under age 59 that never got into the business and passed away? King Kong Bundy was age 61 and had not been regularly wrestling for years. So I think those three examples that he used were not good examples to prove that the world of pro wrestling causes you to die early. For every one of those, there are other pro wrestlers who have lived longer than age 65. Bruno San Martino, who passed away last year, was aged like 81 or something like that. There are others who have died. When you look at Jim the Anvil Neidhart, when he passed last year, he didn't die because he was wrestling. He died because he slipped and fell and hit his head on something and didn't recover. Same type of thing for Dusty Rhodes, who was sick and, was, and fell down the stairs and didn't recover. I think we have to be careful about the narrative that's being created because if you really did your research to tell the proper story, none of those situations happened because these guys were in a pro wrestling ring. None of them happened because of years and years of wrestling damage. Now, is pro wrestling a very physical sport? Yes, it is. Should pro wrestlers have health insurance? Yes, they should. Should that health insurance be provided by the company that they work for? Yes, it should. Should they be independent contractors that don't have the opportunity to work for another company? That's definitely up for debate. 
But I do think, number one, the timing of this is suspect. And number two, if you're going to build a case around all of these people passing because of the pro wrestling industry, I think we have to do our homework and get our facts straight. The fact that I could pull those facts out for all three of those people, because, of course, we know about the sport. And John Oliver, who's a fan, obviously didn't do the research. I think that makes that suspect. Do I think it's going to impact anybody watching WrestleMania? Absolutely not. We've already committed to WrestleMania. We've already committed to this sport. We know that it's not the fairest of situations, but who has a job that actually has the fairest of conditions? Not too many people. You know, we also know that a wrestler, the, the, the half-life of a wrestler isn't forever. We understand that as well. So do I think something should change? Yes. Is this the time for this? No. And can I blame pro wrestling for lots of early deaths uh, for the deaths that he mentioned? No. So with that said, let's uh, switch gears because I really want to jump into this very special topic that we have, which I'm excited about. Um, it's the first time that we've done something like this, and I am pumped, absolutely pumped, about the idea of being able to discuss this. So, the date was March the 27th, 1988. On this very date, WrestleMania 4 was taking place, oddly enough, at the aforementioned Trump Tower, which many will believe, unlike Courtney, began the relationship between the McMahons and the Trumps. Um, this would be a historic event because WrestleMania 4 would be the first time ever that you went into a WrestleMania without a WWE champion and that the WWE championship would be decided in a 16-man or really technically a 14-man tournament, uh, which would rival March Madness. Side note, we should note that for the last several years, WrestleMania has taken place during the NCAA Championship weekend, which is the end of March Madness tournament, etc., etc. Now, with that said, so pay-per-view was really the only way to be able to watch WrestleMania 4 on March 27th, 1988. And while that was happening, WCW, the, the rival promotion, uh, while they were still being known as NWA and flirting with the term WCW, decided to offer its brand of pro wrestling on the same day. What they did was they offered an event called Clash of the Champions. Clash of the Champions would not be available on pay-per-view. Instead, it would be available on free TV, TBS, the Superstation, and it would go head-to-head -head with WrestleMania 4. So for the remainder of this segment, I'd first like for us to actually talk about the events. Uh, we'll talk about WrestleMania 4. In fact, I know Clack is a big WrestleMania 4 guy. So I'll have Clack talk about WrestleMania 4. I'll have Courtney talk about the card and the events of uh, Clash of the Champions. And in the next segment, we'll talk about which do we think was the better event, had the greater impact, etc., etc. So Clack, I will yield to you. Uh, WrestleMania 4, talk to me a bit about WrestleMania 4, what happened, your takeaways, your feelings, etc. WrestleMania 4. What a night it was. I mean, I remember it so vividly. You know, I remember, let's see, Zion's 13, probably about almost 14 years ago, uh, the WWE released WWE Anthology. It was a ton of DVDs 
with all of the WrestleManias on them. Before this time, you could not get WrestleMania unless you went to Blockbuster. Well, I invested $80 that was supposed to go to Zion's diapers. And I said, forget them diapers. I'm getting WrestleMania anthology. I'm a young father. Hey, I don't know any better. I am going through and I am reminiscing WrestleMania 4. And I'm telling you, and I, I really want to suggest to you guys that you go back and visit Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus the Honky Tonk Man. That thing has some real heat on it. I mean, and, and not to mention Jimmy Hart is like the heckler of all hecklers. I mean, to me, it was an amazing match that really still sticks out with me. Uh, the tournament, you know, I, I have to be honest, that tournament, I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I, I felt like it was a bit too long. Uh, you know, I, I love the Million Dollar Man. You know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for him. You know, I love Savage, you know, he, how much he means to me. But I, I just I just didn't like how it all ended. Uh, back then, I didn't feel like the Million Dollar Man was worthy of being in the main event. But it makes more sense to me now uh, how it went down. But, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I am interested because I'll be honest, I don't know much about Clash of the Champions. Mm -hmm. uh, so I am interested in, in hearing this. But I mean, this, this WrestleMania 4 is chock full of Hall of Famers. Hogan and Andre the Giant were there. I already talked about the Million Dollar Man. I think One Man Gang was there. He was. I, I don't remember if he fought. I, I believe it's Bam Bam Bigelow. That's which correct. Which Bam Bam used to scare the crap out of me with the flames on his skull. Yes. And so uh, it, it was just, it was star-studded. It's full of Hall of Famers. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's something that everybody should go and revisit for sure. So I'm going to add a couple of factoids to that to help boost uh, our conversation on WrestleMania 4. First and foremost, let me just say this, Clack, and I started to interrupt you. I started to pull it out because my parents, who I still believe are the greatest parents on planet Earth, I think everybody should feel that way about their parents, my parents bought for my birthday the WrestleMania anthology, all 20 WrestleManias. Before you could get, before there was a WWE network, I've got it, and it's it's in my my collection back there. Um, so when you said that, my my whole everything lit up because that was amazing. WrestleMania four was interesting on a few a few notions. First of all, uh, it was at that point the longest WrestleMania in history, uh, as it had a total of sixteen matches. Uh, which is interesting. WrestleMania 3 only had 12 matches. And of course, as we are preparing for WrestleMania 35 and there's rumors of 14, 15, 16 matches which people are considering long, you had a scenario here where you had, of course, the big tournament. It also started with a big battle royal, uh, which saw Bad News Brown win that battle royal by eliminating Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, and it ultimately started to lead to Bret Hart's face turn at that point in time. Um, they had a singles match between the Ultimate Warrior and Hercules. There was a six-man tag match that was there that had the Islanders and Bobby Heenan against the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. Uh, and you did mention Brutus the Barber Beefcake in that match for the Intercontinental Championship against the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, a tag team title match happened where uh, Demolition, your favorite tag team, uh, won the tag titles, defeating Strike Force there. But uh, you had a great tournament uh, that you mentioned. The one-man gang made it all the way to the semifinals against Randy Savage. Uh, participating in that tournament, you had Ted DiBiase. Of course, it came down to DiBiase and Savage. 
Jim Duggan, uh, Don Morocco, Dino Bravo, Greg Valentine, Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, Butch Reed, uh, The One Man Gang, Bam Bam Bigelow, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rick Rude, uh, and of course, Andre the Giant, all of them involved in this. So you're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. Of the 14 men involved, 11 of them are currently Hall of Famers. Big, big day. WrestleMania 4 in Atlantic City, New Jersey uh, at Trump Tower. So while that was happening, we also, and you know what, Clack? You just sent that picture, didn't you, Clack? <laughs> Yo, I have everything you just posted there. Everything. Everything. So I just wanted to be known. I the, Here's the main reason why I have the WWE Network. The main reason I have it is I can watch it on my phone. Yeah. But let's not get twisted. Yeah. I've been watching. Yeah. For the last 15 years, you, buying whatever they put out. You and I are brothers. I promise you one day I'm going to show you guys this expansive DVD collection that sits behind me. But it contains everything you just mentioned and then some. So, uh, yes, I love it. I love it. All right. So that's WrestleMania 4, which happened on March the 27th, 1988. On the same day was an event that WCW slash the NWA presented to us one of their first big free supercards that they called Clash of the Champions. Courtney, Mr. WCW slash NWA, tell us about the inaugural Clash of the Champions. Well, it was, again, NWA, WCW doing what nobody thought they could do. They rolled into the Greensboro Coliseum, which was uh, a, a very uh, uh, established arena for them. And there were only 6,000 people there, but they drew a 5.6 rating on TBS. It wasn't, I believe, six buy rate that uh, WrestleMania did. But WrestleMania received a lot more attention. And WrestleMania was very advertised, but they did a 5.6 on TBS. You talk about Hall of Famers, and I'm not even breaking up the horsemen. We got six Hall of Famers from this night that are in the WWE Hall of Fame. So you have Mike Rotunda with Kevin Sullivan defeating Jimmy Garvin with Precious. I like I had the uh, the little wrestling figure with Precious. The Midnight Express, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane version with Jimmy Cornette versus the Fantastic for my favorite belts, the NWA United States titles. The Road Warriors when Dusty Rhodes against the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff with Paul Jones. Lex Luger, who we've had on this show, and Barry Windham defeated Arn Anderson and Tully. And then, and uh, I'm, don't you miss these time limit draws? Ric Flair and Sting to a time limit draw where the judges, Jason Hervey of the Wonder Years, didn't Jason Hervey almost uh, try to come back and like throw some money at WCW at one point? He did. Jason Hervey, he did, yeah. And Ken Osmond of Leave It to Beaver said it's a draw. And might I add, James J. Dillon, J.J. Dillon was suspended above the air so he couldn't interfere. This was actually grade A wrestling from top to bottom. You can go back and watch this class. There's no slouch match. They didn't put Pistol Pez Watley up there. Every match was good. Mike Rotunda, we all know what he did, but we all know who he's the father of. One Bray Wyatt. 
Jimmy Garvin, the Midnight Express, and the Fantastics. Now, I didn't know much about the Fantastics back then. I'm not going to lie to you. You did? It took a minute. No, no. And the only reason why is because I had to later discover who Bobby Fulton really was and his whole connection to Tennessee and to Texas and all that stuff. So I remember him. I remember Tommy Rogers. Then you had the Road Warriors against the Barbarian and the Warlord. Are you crazy? What a night. And then Lex Luger and Barry Windham, future uh, uh, horsemen, fighting against Arn Anderson and Tully. That was a very good match. And I know I talked trash in a few months ago, but doggone Barry Windham looked so good in that match, man. And of course, Sting, when he was red hot, wearing black bottoms. He wasn't even a bright color Sting. He came out to take care of business against Rick He wasn't in his wrestling prime, but he was in his verbal prime. And that was a good night for wrestling. Wait, you said Flair wasn't in his wrestling prime in 88? No, no, no. It, no, not, not in 88. In 88, he had his, he had his moves packaged down. He wasn't the, the the he wasn't the Ricky Steamboat Ric Flair. I'm so glad. But you he said was definitely. I'm so, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, okay, so go, so go a, ahead. Co- a couple of things, and as I did with Clack, I always like to add a little uh, additional factoids. Number one, I know you said that there were six Hall of Famers at the Class of the Champions one, but there were nine. Um, the Road Warriors are in the Hall of Fame, as is I Dusty didn't Rhodes. I did teams up. Well, no, 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 no. Road Warriors. That's two. Dusty Rhodes is three. Paul Ellering is four. Lex Luger is five. Barry Windham, six. Arn Anderson, seven. Tully Blanchard is eight. Ric Flair is nine. And Sting is ten. So there were ten Hall of Famers on that card, which only boosts the the significance of Clash of the Champions. So first things first. Second thing, they did some very special things in this Clash of the Champions that Quite frankly, a lot of folks didn't do. So that match with Mike Rotundo against uh, Jimmy Garvin, which was for the TV championship, was not your normal three-count kind of match. It was a match that was handled like amateur wrestling. So your shoulders had to be pinned to the mat for a one-count for the victory, which was a very unique concept uh, in pro wrestling. Midnight Express and Fantastics had a crazy match for the U.S. tag titles that ended in disqualification. And back in those days, a match that ended in disqualification or even when there was a pinfall, it really wasn't over because there was always this after-the-match battle that would take place, which was incredible. Now, the Lex Luger, well, first of all, the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes against the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff wasn't just any six-man tag match. This was a barbed wire match in the NWA that was not anything that WWE was attempting at the time which is crazy the Lex Luger Barry Windham match let's not gloss over this this is for the NWA World Tag Team Championships which Luger and Windham won that night I remember being in Syracuse New York and back in Monticello where I grew up we did not have uh, TBS So I'm there at my aunt's house. She didn't order the pay-per-view, so I couldn't watch WrestleMania. I was begging for an opportunity. Could you please, please flip over to TBS so I could watch just a little bit of this? And at the moment they flipped over is when Lex Luger and Barry Windham won the World Tag Team Championships. That was such an amazing moment for me. 
in my childhood. Then, of course, you had Ric Flair versus Sting. 45-minute time limit draw. The match that both Sting and Ric Flair say made Sting's career. 1988, big, big moment. March the 27th, Clash of the Champions versus WrestleMania 4. And before we go to break, I have to correct one thing. Courtney said that this point, Ric Flair was not at his wrestling prime because, you know, he was packaging some things together and it wasn't the Ric Flair that battled uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Well, the Ric Flair that battled Ricky the Dragon Steamboat only happened in 1989 when he had that trilogy of classics that went from, of course, New Orleans to ultimately Nashville. It was in Chicago as well. They switched the WW, excuse me, the NWA Championship, uh, which ended up, of course, in that big Music City showdown in Nashville. That incredible match between Flair and Steamboat. Many deemed those some of the greatest matches of all times. Oh yeah, that's right. That happened after class the champion so i guess he found his wrestling prime or something coming from the nwa guy i certainly figured you would have what what, one of the things that makes me laugh about you and your wrestling history gb is that i have to remember that you're from new york what does that mean that you didn't get it that 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 you missed so much of wrestling when it comes to NWA, you weren't there in '83 when they fought in the Hampton Coliseum. No, you but I did watch the first the epic matches. Yes, I you did. You weren't watching the epic matches that they had on television in '83, in '84, in '85, back in '78 when they were doing Mid Atlantic wrestling. Sir, you were two years old. TV. It you does were not two years matter. old. It does not matter. I was there in 83 when they fought in the Coliseum in Hampton to a 60-minute draw, and they tore the house down. I was there me, in live and living color let me help with you one Kevin K.K. Beard. I watched Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich in the Texas Stadium for 52,000 people when Kerry Von Erich won the championship. I've watched many of Ric Flair's championship matches, championship changes. I'm telling you. Flair was very much still. Flair didn't leave his prime till he got to the '90s. After his WWE run, when he went oh, back GD. to WCW, that's when Flair started falling off. But this is not the topic of today's discussion. Oh, the topic GD. of today's hey. discussion is Clash of the Champions versus WrestleMania Four. We're going to compare and contrast the two when we come back in our next segment guys stay tuned it's wrestlemania week here on the faction powered by bonnerfied radio it's me ttp the king of bada bing the master of the diamond cutter the three times three times three times world champion and ceo and founder of ddp yoga you're listening to the faction on bonnerfied radio and that's not a bad thing that my friend it's a good thing. Bang! Velveteen Dream. Hit it! Team 
Welcome back to the Faction Powered by Bonafide Radio. You were just listening to something amazing. How about that? GB, let's get back in this conversation. All right. So we are having a fantastic conversation as we are comparing and contrasting March the 27th, 1988, an incredible day in the history of professional wrestling. As for the first time, you've got two major promotions going head to head with two major events. The first time that anyone looked to actually take on WrestleMania as WrestleMania 4, Trump Plaza, which ended with Ric Flair, excuse me, Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase for the WWE Championship in that tournament against Clash of the Champions, number one. And that Clash of the Champions saw as the main event Ric Flair versus Sting for the WW for the WCW NWA Championship. All right, let's have the conversation, guys. What are our takeaways and what would be our comparisons? Which do we think is the better uh, card or was the better presentation? Uh, Clack, I'll start with you. Um, the be- <laughs> well, the better presentation. Better I presentation, mean, best impact. You know, I mean, okay. we've had thirty some odd years since the, since those matches. It's true. I, and you know what? I'm going to do my best not to be petty because I want to shoot these out and get Courtney's take. Clearly, WrestleMania 4 kills them on presentation on all fronts. Uh, and I'm talking about from uh, the grammar usage, from those with the microphone, from professional commentating, from the... I don't even know if they sang the national anthem at Clash of the Champions. I don't even know. I don't even know if anyone knew the lyrics to it. I don't know. <laughs> But but just the obviously the entire presentation on WrestleMania 4 is superb. The quality of action and the storytelling behind the different matches in comparison and contrast to Clash of the Champions, clearly WrestleMania 4 has that as well. Overall, WrestleMania 4, my God, wow. Basically nothing else was on TV that day. <laughs> oh, there it is. So he says WrestleMania 4, Courtney. What are your thoughts, WrestleMania 4 or Clash of the Champions? Well, I'm going to go with Clash of the Champions, of course. Of course Here's my that. reason why. I, I, I watched the interview with Kobe Bryant the other day, and they said this conversation for him between who's better, him or LeBron, comes down to people's preference. Now, I will admit that the quality wasn't there. We didn't have the same. Uh, Stop posting pictures in here. I'm trying to talk. Uh, we didn't have the same camera quality that Vincent Kennedy McMahon had. Uh, our, our thing was still more, uh, you know, we're taking guys who probably don't hit the gym and putting what? them in a wrestling match. But I like to think that the wrestling quality, which is why I tuned in, was much better. It's unquestionable. It's much better at Clash of the Champions. Now, the fanfare and the entertainment factor in the storylines and all that stuff for Clack was there. But I'm telling you now, the wrestling overall was much better at Clash of the Champions. They told quality stories in the ring. So it's interesting. Uh, I've obviously watched both, as I'm sure you guys have. Um, Looking at it, so Clash of the Champions was a two-hour presentation that featured five matches. 
Uh, of course, we mentioned 16 matches for WrestleMania with uh, basically about a four-hour presentation on there. I think one, you know, WrestleMania 4 versus Clash of the Champions really is a great depiction of the WWE versus the NWA in that time frame. The WWE had done something really that pro wrestling had not figured out yet, and that was a mastery of presentation. Here it was, they understood glitz, they understood glamour, they understood great camera, they understood how to fill a building. I mean, when you're talking 20,000 people versus 6,000 people, I mean, you can't, there's no mistaking that, right? Um, You looked at the camera angles, you looked at, again, you know, the Greensboro Coliseum, which certainly had great history, versus Trump Plaza, which had not hosted a wrestling event. This was taking pro wrestling to a mainstream audience, which at that time, WWE was certainly incredibly focused on. They're still very much focused on that. Whereas uh, NWA certainly looked to provide an alternative for people who were not going to be involved in pay-per-view. It's interesting watching crowd reactions. Uh, The crowd for Clash of the Champions was very into every match that was presented from start to finish. The crowd played a big, big role in all of that. I think that there were some sleeper matches uh, on the WrestleMania 4 card. Um, I think WrestleMania 4 may have been a little more gutsy in terms of the overall card. Uh, Never before had a tournament in that nature been really presented. I mean, we didn't even have like Crockett Cup for real, for real. And when we did have Crockett Cup, uh, it certainly wasn't on a pay-per-view situation and it wasn't a four-hour situation. It was over two days and we ended up getting the highlights from it, you know, on a show or if you ordered the VHS. Um, So I think it was another gutsy move on the part of WWE. Let's remember, WWE was very gutsy in bringing us WrestleMania 2, which was the first WrestleMania and only WrestleMania from three different locations. Vince was willing to take a chance. He took a chance back in uh, WrestleMania 3, trying to house 93,000 people with only a month. Um, The flip side to it is this. That night created two superstars. In the WWE, it created Randy Macho Man Savage, taking him to the next level uh, to be viewed as a world champion. And it took Sting from being just a mid-carder to really being in the upper echelon of WCW, the NWA, and the world of pro wrestling. Let's remember, at this time, you know, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior had just parted ways from being the Blade Runners to going into these organizations trying to stand on their own. And Sting, you know, certainly that night stood head and shoulders above the Ultimate Warrior. Um, It's a tough, tough thing to really kind of say, which one was better because I feel like the people were so heavily invested in what WCW NWA was presenting at the same time WWE took a huge chance by for the first time in its history not having Hulk Hogan stand at the end of the event with the WWE championship in his hands it was a big big chance um What will the history books say? I think the history books will say that Clash of the Champions gave us Sting. Clash of the Champions took a really cool opportunity in giving a tag team championship 
to these young guns of Barry Windham and Lex Luger. I think WrestleMania will tell us, history will tell us at WrestleMania, that we got a world champion, Randy Savage, that WWE gave someone other than Hulk Hogan the opportunity during that time. Which was the better main event to me? I would say Sting versus Flair was a better main event than uh, Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase. However, the story that we were invested in, we were heavily vested in seeing Randy Savage go from, you know, because we knew at the point in the second round when Hogan and Andre were disqualified, we knew we were going to have a new WWE champion. That's the first time we knew that. So it created a level of intrigue that nobody really knew coming into this whole thing. So it's hard to say. Honestly, I would say they were neck and neck. Um, They really, really were. Though I probably have to give a slight edge to WWE uh, as WrestleMania 4 for this very simple reason. WWE took a much bigger chance than the WCW slash NWA did in 1988. It was not that gutsy to put free put a big program like this on free television even though it was against wrestlemania because if we're completely honest the wwe certainly was national the nwa for that pocket of things was still trying to really compete and it's odd that they were trying to compete considering they technically were national before wwe was so it's really interesting you really have to say it was jim crockett promotions versus the wwe so i'd have to give the edge on that but i'll tell you what going back and watching clash of the champions it was an amazing card i will say this i think if i'm gonna i feel like i'm i'm judging a a cooking contest here um i think for clash of the champions what took it away were their interviews in between those interviews in between were kind of tough you know, those guys were freestyling. And when you go back and listen to it, they really weren't saying much of anything. Right. So that Dude, probably was not a good it was not a good reference. What? The way this crowd popped when Barry Windham and Lex Luger was won, amazing. It, it just sent chills through me. Watching Did, it. Didn't you hear me say the crowd was incredible? Uh, the crowd was uh, incredible. Man, what, now, what is this picture you just sent through here? Don't send stuff like that. That's gross. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? I'd love to hear, guys, what you have hey, to say. You, yes. We didn't include Teddy Long in our Hall of Fame count. Well, we were talking about the people on the card, not the referees. But Teddy Long was the first. He was the referee of the first match. He was, sure uh, was. very skinny. Like, like he hadn't been eaten. So uh, yeah. I'm thankful for a healthier Teddy Long these days. But I want to hear, guys, what you think. Who do you think had the better card and which card do you think stands the test of time? Clash of the Champions, WrestleMania 4. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Reach out to us by way of social media. Before we go, we're going to talk some WrestleMania news. Now, listen, later this week, we're going to give our predictions. As you know, the faction championship is on the line, and it's really, really tight between Courtney and GB. But the truth of it is, Clack could come out of nowhere from WrestleMania because there's enough content between WrestleMania and NXT that he could win. So, You guys got to pay attention. I think we'll make our predictions either Wednesday or Friday. But a big piece of news for WrestleMania, which we have to spend some time talking about, is, uh, you know, the last time we were on the show, 
I think James was with me when we talked about uh, what is WWE doing with their budget? Because, you know, the host for WrestleMania was Alexa Bliss. The uh, act, the musical act for WrestleMania was uh, uh, (laughs) Elias. It was just kind of tough. Well, WWE has made some announcements about some performers, um, and we're pretty, pretty pumped to tell you about it. One of those performers coming to uh, WrestleMania is Joan Jett. She'll be a part of WrestleMania. She'll be performing one of the theme songs. In addition to that, performing uh, the uh, opening for God Bless America, 12-time Grammy Award winner and gospel music favorite, Yolanda Adams, marking the first time that a gospel artist has held this honor. Now, you could argue that fact. Um, Aretha Franklin certainly had strong gospel roots. And, of course, she was the Queen of Soul. Michelle Williams did the honor as well. But, of course, she's a pop singer who has done gospel. And we love Michelle Williams, absolutely. Uh, But Yolanda Adams, the first full-on gospel artist to be given this opportunity. Uh, What do you guys think of Yolanda Adams at WrestleMania? And these pictures, God bless y'all. Man, Clack is giving it to us. (laughs) He's giving it to us. Clack, you go. Uh, I'm excited for Yolanda Adams. Uh, I, I think that uh, Titus obviously made a suggestion to Vince, which also lets me that maybe some of you all's claims about Vince may not be completely accurate. But uh, it, it looks like she's going to get a great opportunity. You know, GB, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the largest audience that Yolanda Adams has sang in front of? Um, I'm thinking no, only because I do think she did get the opportunity to do an event called The Experience in uh, Nigeria, and they usually bring about 500,000 people. But I'd probably say it's certainly one of the largest mainstream domestic audiences uh, that she's ever been in front of. I think that's an absolute fair statement. Nice. Yeah. So it's a big move. It's a big move. Clack, what do you think? of? Um, excuse me. Courtney, what did you think? About uh, Yolanda I, Adams, I think it's I think it's it's, uh, it's huge. I I kind of felt like something was brewing, and as you guys know from watching uh, Instagram, I was with Titus last week. He actually FaceTimed Yolanda, and I got a chance to talk to Yolanda, which he then said she knew GB, so GB super famous. But uh, you know, I got a chance to sit with him and hear his thoughts on WrestleMania. He did talk about WrestleMania coming to Tampa. And I did get the idea that Yolanda would be involved in some type of way. So, Clack, to answer your question, the year that Yolanda did uh, did, did the event in Nigeria, 700,000 people showed up. So this may be her largest American crowd. But we all know that, that wrestling fans can sound like 700,000 when that place gets jumping. Yeah. And it will when Kofi wins. Well, and and we will get to that. I think one of the things that's important for people to understand, and uh, I posted this on a couple of places, certainly in our Facebook uh, page, our Instagram page, and uh, it got a lot of interesting conversation and comments on on my individual page. So I want to say a couple of things since I have the opportunity. Number one, um, I do think, you know, I I don't think there's any denying Obviously, there's a relationship between Titus O'Neil and Yolanda Adams, and that's a great thing. And there were people who insinuated that the only reason Yolanda Adams uh, got this opportunity 
is because she and Titus O'Neil have a relationship. Let me start by saying this. First and foremost, if that let's start by saying this, right? Um, I don't believe that uh, Vince McMahon or the WWE will just take random requests from people just because, oh, that's my girlfriend or, oh, we're in a relationship and, oh, she can say. <laughs> if that were true, if it were true, let's go back to 2010 when a certain David Otunga was a part of a group called Nexus. Nexus was super, super hot because they had... Uh, just beaten up John Cena and um, you know David Otunga had a certain girlfriend who was an American Idol by the name of Jennifer Hudson who's gone on to win a number of very significant awards and she was not asked to sing the national anthem instead that very same year another American Idol was asked to sing her name was Fantasia which some might argue could be considered uh, part of our gospel family um so it's not enough. They should have never picked Fantasia to play uh, Aretha Franklin. Don't do that. We're not doing that on this show. <laughs> so um, the reality of it is, no, it's not about, you know, that. Secondly, let's just say this, right? Yolanda Adam. Listen, first of all, there's absolutely nothing wrong with relationship creating opportunity for people, right? It happens in the business world and everywhere all the time. Most of the people we do business with has something to do with there being a degree of relationship. We found out about them. They were referred to us, etc., etc. But relationship is not enough to get you this gig, all right? Because Yolanda Adams, mind you, has been, you know, seen in WWE circles really for over half a year, almost a year now, because it was like last summer where this stuff started back in Houston. Yolanda, let's not discount what Yolanda Adams has done. Yolanda Adams has a three-decade career. Let's start by this. Yolanda Adams has a lot of fans in the WWE who are wrestlers and employees who are very aware of what she does. Titus O'Neil being an initial fan, which is what sparked their introduction. Um, you know, people like Sasha Banks and several others who are big fans of Yolanda Adams. Yolanda Adams didn't get this. Okay, let me just say it this way. Because they're going to make me do this. This is not like. I won't say it that way. Darn it. I won't say it that way. This is not. Basically, let me just say it this way. This is not a scenario where. I'm giving someone unqualified an opportunity strictly because of relationship. This is a Yolanda Adams who just got off the Grammy stage last month. A Yolanda Adams who can go on any stage and sing any genre of music. All she needs is an invitation, right? So she gets the invitation. She's going to kill it. And let me also say this. I don't wear my gospel hat much on this show, but I have to address this fact because someone on my page said, well, what does this do for the gospel music community? Listen, let me help you with something, okay? Every opportunity that comes does not have to be about the gospel music community. Why can't we just celebrate the fact that one of our own got a great opportunity? Because I promise you, when they give one of us or all three of us the opportunity to work for WWE, okay, rest and believe that I'm not necessarily going there to evangelize. 
we're gonna be who we are right and if you celebrate me celebrate me because you know that we love pro wrestling and we get the opportunity to do this and if some people get helped along the way that's a byproduct of it can we not just celebrate the fact that she is immensely talented and she gets the opportunity to perform in front of 75,000 people this is akin to getting the opportunity to get that call for the Super Bowl, to get that call for the World Series. It's bigger than the World Series. It's bigger than the NBA championships. It's WrestleMania, and it's putting her in front of people, some of whom have never heard the name Yolanda Adams, and they will Google her after she kills this thing oh, on Sunday. Oh, yes. Rest assured. Oh, yeah. So I just want people to get to a point where we stop saying what's in it for me and say it's a win for the culture, Right. You're not always going to be the one that gets the call on the stage. But listen, if they don't call me, but they call Courtney or they call Clack, they did call me because it's a win. It's a win for all of us. So Yolanda Adams being on the WrestleMania stage, whether you like WWE or not, let me put it to you this way. Who gets to sing in front of 80,000 people on a Sunday? Not very many people. But Yolanda's going to do it and she gets to be her and she doesn't have any pressure on her. She gets to sing one song, and she gets a pretty nice check while doing it. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Yolanda Adams. Super proud of her. And, uh, you know, and by the way, it's not a one-sided deal, right? Because Titus O'Neil has found himself in places like the BET Awards, in places like the Grammy Awards, and in places like the Stellar Awards. So, it's not a one-sided deal. And let me just say this, too. For all those who are like, well, what's it going to do? Well, Titus O'Neil showing up at the Stellar Awards got the Stellar Awards on WWE.com. That has never happened before and will probably not happen since unless he goes back or they cover while we're there. So it's going to be that type of scenario. Congratulations, Yolanda Adams. We are very proud of you. We can't wait to see what you're going to do at WrestleMania next week. Well, so you said that. Well, I just, you know, I, I, I just need people to kind of get a grip, right? The country folks don't do this. The pop folks don't do this. The hip hop. Listen, when Diddy was on a few years ago, nobody was going, well, what's that going to do for hip hop? Nobody did that. <laughs> that voice just took me out. No, <laughs> that I just, was awesome. <laughs> I just don't understand people. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's just be happy that people are getting opportunities like this okay and no it's not about bringing independent people in but here's what you do need to understand and i and i'm gonna go after we say this it's not the first time that christian music has been represented in this forum okay yeah the wwe has used uh theme songs from toby mac social club misfits and a ton of other incredible skillet a ton of other thousand foot crutch i mean like damn Shawn Michaels came to the ring with 3,700 crosses on one time. And don't forget that Vince McMahon wrestled God. You know, every time I go to make a point, here you come. You, you're supposed to He did, re- did. Did he not wrestle God? And Clack gave scripture for it. Am I right, Clack? Why, why do you do this? Why do you, Clack, why? didn't you give scripture for why? wrestling God? You're not. You're not. I, I, I did, but I don't know All right, if you're yeah, trying see? to discredit Vince for this. Please don't make no, me not, a theological no. debate about this because I got enough people that hate me. All right. No, no. Well, well, Cla- well, first of all, what did you say? The devil is what? Nope. So with that said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead 
And no, I'm, I'm helping. We're gonna get out of this. We're, we're gonna go ahead and yes, sir. Yes, sir. So is Fantasia playing Aretha Franklin or not? Oh my God, Courtney, what are you, you doing, stop. man? What are you doing? Oh my God! All right, so we're gonna get out of here. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. I absolutely love hearing your feedback, and you know it's WrestleMania week, so we got a lot of content coming your way this week. A lot of cont, Courtney, you dummy. Um, all right, so we're gonna go ahead and sign off. Here's how you can reach out to us by way of social media. Clack. Brandon J. Clack on everything. I can't wait to talk. Courtney. Brandon J. The J stands for Joe Mama to every hater out there. At C Major Beard on Instagram and Twitter. R.I.P. Nipsey. We love you. Yeah, shout out to uh, the family of Nipsey Hustle. That's just uh, a crazy scenario. You can reach me, of course, at Bonnerfide. And then, of course, you can reach us at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Now, we'll be back Wednesday with our normal radio show. And then, of course, Friday, we've got something real special. We've got uh, predictions coming and more WrestleMania news. I know someone wanted us to talk about our favorite WrestleMania matches, our favorite WrestleManias. So uh, we'll do that, I think, on Friday's show. Uh, yeah, I think we'll do that. And no telling what else will happen. But uh, until Wednesday, it's Clack, it's Courtney, it's GB, and we are the faction. The gateway to greatness. <laughs>